What is up, everybody? It is Wednesday, September 21st, and welcome in. I'm your host, Jacob, joined by the only guy I can think of to talk to when it comes to the Steelers, Alex Kazora over at uh, Steelers Depot. Man, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Jacob. How about yourself? I'm, I'm doing wonderful. I've had my therapy sessions talking about the awfulness that was Sunday. Um, I, like I told you uh, uh, right before we went live that I was at the game and had a four-hour drive afterwards, and it was just like stewing in me, and so I had to I had to uh, do that. Uh, so let's, let's jump right into it, man. I love doing these preview episodes, talking to people um, from opposing teams as they're coming in. I will add that if you're not following Alex and you want to know about what's going on with the Steelers, you should absolutely do it. And he's also a great follow during draft season because you put all of that stuff together with the combine and everything. And I used that for so much when it came to like figuring out birthdays and things like that. So you do a wonderful job, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, let's yeah. go. Ahead. I was just going to say really quickly, I think every AFC North fan is just telling themselves, well, at least the other teams were just as bad as we were. The Bengals are asking, how did they lose to Cooper Rush? You're asking, how'd you blow a lead? The Ravens are asking how they blew a lead. And we're asking a lot of questions about the Steelers right now. It's it's like really funny because going into this year, and I'm sure you had the same conversations and you probably wrote about it like I did, the AFC was loaded, right? And, and it still is. I think there's still plenty of talent there, but there's what, three 2-0 teams and then everybody else is just like there. Right. And, and so suddenly like this dramatic picture of like, are you going to be able to, do you need to win the division or do you need to have a wild card? Suddenly it's like kind of weird because the, like you said, with the Bengals, it's like, what are they doing? Like what's going on with the Ravens? Like, you know, your team's losing games that they absolutely should have won and you know, all that good stuff, man. So let's jump into it. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball after two weeks. Just give me kind of a, we'll go into in depth on some kind of things, but just like a, an overview, a general overview for, for Browns fans that may not have uh, seen anything. I would describe the Steelers offense as, as expected. And that's not really a compliment. It's been yeah. kind of a mess. It's been growing pains, some newness there, changes to the offensive line, obviously a new quarterback in the post Roethlisberger era, uh, a run game. That's not that, you know, been able to find its footing. The O-line has actually been better than what we thought it was in the summer. They progressed and really it comes down to the big, uh, top of the conversation, the big you know talking point is Trubisky versus the OC Matt Canada. Who's to blame more? I think both have their own fair share of blame, but it's an offense that's really struggling and sputtering and averaging 15 points per game. And in 2022, when the Bills are dropping a 40-burger easily on Tennessee, 15 points a game, not going to get the job done. It it, uh, it looks like Buffalo's playing a different sport sometimes that... I, I watched that game yesterday while I was recording, and I was like, I just don't even know what to say about them anymore. So, uh, okay, let's start at the quarterback position. Is there – do you think they're going to continue? Is Kenny Pickett going to play soon? Could he play Thursday? Like, I, I understand that Mitch is probably slated to start, but, like, do you where do you think the leash is on, on Trubisky? Is, do you think he can turn it around, play better? Like, is this system the wrong system for him? Just overall in the quarterback position. Well, I think the leash on Trubisky is longer than people think. Uh, people want Kenny Pickett to start today for Thursday, and I understand that the second that Trubisky and this team faltered at all, there were going to be chance and cries for Pickett because he will start. I mean, Trubisky's holding the fort down, holding that job for Pickett to replace him at some point. I think it will be a longer waiting period than people may think because Tomlin's not going to have that knee-jerk reaction of making this change. Trubisky was their guy from day one in the spring. 
was the starter the entire training camp, had a reasonably good summer overall, did nothing to lose the job. And as long as this team's competitive and still in the mix, and hey, they're the division leaders right now, for whatever that's worth, and Trubisky's not imploding in terms of throwing three, four interceptions and directly costing them games, Mike Tomlin is going to stick with Trubisky for a while. So will Kenny Pickett play this year? I think he will. It will not be Thursday, barring some sort of injury in-game, but Trubisky 100% will start this game that leash is longer than people think. Can he turn things around? Sure. I think there's growing pains. The offense can and probably will get better in some respects. There's been a lot of chatter in Pittsburgh about the lack of vertical shots, lack of aggression, big play ability. And a lot of that is true. But to me, my biggest issue with Trubisky right now is he's missing underneath stuff, missing open receivers underneath, taking a lot of bad sacks as well, putting this team in some negative situations. So there's certainly validity to the idea of they have to be able to push the ball downfield. This is not an offense. It's going to be able to churn out 15 play, you know, 75 yard, great efficient drives. But to me, it's the basics fundamentals. And I would say the Canada scheme's pretty limiting right now. And Trubisky's plays not maximizing the scheme. Well, boy, do I have good news for you. Um, if you're talking about deep shots, boy, do I have a defense you need to take on <laughs> to fix that situation. I guess, yeah, and I guess the Browns there, I for what good or bad, however you feel about it, the Browns had a player-only meeting already, and I don't know if that is going to fix things or make things spiral out of control. Twitter seems like pretty split down the middle, 50-50 <laughs> on what it means, and I don't know that it means much either way, to be completely honest with you. But there's communication breakdowns. There are opportunities where guys are running wide open for 75-yard touchdowns and 66-yard touchdowns. So, I mean, there's a position that if if the Steelers want to, you know, take those shots, I think there's probably a good opportunity to try to, you know, I, I just think that the defense right now is just not talking to each other from safety to corner. And I think that that is kind of as big of an issue as you, you can have. So, Let's go to the offensive line. You, you know, a lot of turnover there, a lot of, you know, trying to figure it out after last year. Um, do you think they're where they are? Where they are? are they a finished product? Do you think they're young enough where they're going to continue to evolve? Do you think he's going to, there's going to be any kind of movement changes, you know, switching guys inside out or anything like that? Um, or are you pretty down on that unit? No changes in terms of the, the personnel. Um, they're not a finished product. They can get better. It's still a pretty young group overall. You get a second-year left tackle and Dan Moore, third-year left guard, and Kevin Dodson, who missed the back half of last year, started just four games as a rookie. You got a new center in Mason Cole, a new right guard in James Daniels. And Chuck Wilmer, of course, is kind of the more, more or less veteran of the group. He's had a nice start to the year. This group in the summer looked looked a mess. They played that Jacksonville game in the preseason. They were just dreadful in pass pro. But they've gotten better, and some of that's a product of the new pieces, the new center, the new right guard, also a new offensive line coach. They had, they've had, they had now had three offensive line coaches in three years. It's kind of like when Baker had what, four OCs in four years. When that happens at the quarterback position, that's all we talk about is all the, the change there. When it, it's the same thing for an offensive line group, and that group has to be cohesive and play as a unit, and you've had so many moving pieces there that, you've, that there's a lot of adjustment period to that. So I think this group overall, you got me? Yeah, I got you. Sorry. Okay. No, they're all good. So I think this group has start, started to gel under new offensive line coach Pat Meyer. Um, and so you've seen some progression there. The pass pro has actually been a lot better than what I thought it would be, facing some good fronts in the Bengals and the Patriots. Week, run, week one, the run blocking was pretty poor. It was better last week, and hopefully that continues. It has to because this team has been searching for an efficient on-schedule run game for quite some time and have just simply been unable to find that. And so, of course, they're going to need to run the we're, ball we're more just, effectively here. 
Oh my goodness, we're doing it here again. I just, I can't, I don't understand why my internet just had a little bit of an issue there. So I apologize guys, but we'll work through that. Um, okay, so Najee Harris has been the talk, I think, of Browns fans because of the situation where they thought, oh, they drafted Najee Harris instead of a running, you know, instead of an offensive line, and then they lost to Najee Harris. They not lost. Like, I will say that I think Najee Harris had a lot to do with both of those losses for the Browns last year. I just think that he did whatever he wanted to do against the Browns, and it just kind of – you know, even though I was one talking shit too, it was the irony and we deserved it. So like, you know, but where you, you know, there's some people, I saw a comparison today. I saw some people calling him Trent Richardson. And I think that's unfair because I think that Trent Richardson did not have the versatility that Najee had. I don't think Trent Richardson could ever catch more than five passes in the NFL. And Najee has been able to do that multiple times, be a very big factor with, with Ben at quarterback last year, of course. Is that way off base, way unfair, like I think it is? Or, you know, overall, what do you think about Najee? Is it kind of more of a product of the system um, when he has struggled, the, the system and the offensive line, than, is it, than it is an indictment on him? Yeah, with the Trent Richardson stuff, that's just Twitter memes. That, that's that's nothing. And, and what happened against the Patriots was he missed a couple of holes. Now, there were some times where people think he missed a hole, but he really didn't. And so there's what's happening is people are taking screenshots of plays and being trying to, to paint a narrative a certain way, and, and that's really a poor way to go about that. So he's not even close to Trent Richardson. He's a three-down back. He's a workhorse. He's incredibly conditioned. He really took charge of this offense and was the guy from day one last year. Now, he suffered a foot injury uh, the first day in pads and training camp, missed a month, uh, re-suffered that injury or something similar in week one against the Bengals, and has missed some time. So there's probably a bit of rust in him trying to get back to feel himself. He looked actually pretty healthy last week. There were some vision problems. He did bounce probably one or two runs that he shouldn't have. But overall, I got a lot of confidence in Najee, his pass protection, his receiving ability, uh, the violence in which he plays. And Mike Tomlin's one of the old school coaches who loves the workhorse back. And this land of committees, and the Browns have one, obviously, and with Chubb and Hunt, Tomlin wants a guy to be a guy. Now, they've had a, a rookie come in, Jalen Warren, to rotate and give Harris a bit of a breather, which is probably good for him and for this offense. But I have no concerns outside of maybe the lingering foot issue. Harris, to me, is the real deal. He, he was a good pick to take. You can debate, you know, Steeler fans will forever talk about Creed Humphrey versus Najee Harris, and I get that. I was a big fan of Creed Humphrey. I would have you know, been supportive of taking him. But if your consolation prize is Najee Harris and then the second round of Pat Frymuth, you know, it's just drafting good players, guys that are going to be starters, be impact players, and he certainly is that. So Richardson comparison is just a joke to me, and, and Harris is, is the real deal. It, it, it's like you look at one play that looks like you said the screenshots you're looking at one play that looks like trent richardson it's like i think that in a quarter of last year Najee has probably produced more than trent richardson did in his career i and think I, people are just joking about it. I, I don't think there's a, a serious person making that serious comparison i think it's just twitter getting jokes off i hope so i hope so. I, I i didn't dig into it too deeply but i just i just think that so I, I don't know you know this twitter is it's a, a magically awful place and and that's why i like to talk to people like you that have the reason you've seen it you understand it and you're able to yeah, this is what's really going on in there. And I do think, I mean, like I said, I watched Najee twice specifically, especially in that second one where the Browns were kind of hanging around and then they were just like, and then Najee was like, no, nah, I'm sorry, man, this is it. <laughs> I want to take over this game. And and as 
someone who's seen Nick Chubb do that. I love a running back that can take over and finalize a game, uh, you finish a game, so to speak. And I definitely think Najee has that ability. So let's talk about the wide receivers and we'll shift on to the other side. Um, I love George Pickens. I'm angry about George Pickens. I don't know how you feel about George Pickens. We'll get there. Um, but I think that that's one of those Steelers picks that 10 years from now, I am still angry about. That's what it feels like to me because there's always one, you know, like uh, Cam Hayward was one. I'm a big Ohio State guy. As soon as they got Cam Hayward, I was like, that dude is going to just wreck right. us for a decade. And, and here we are. <laughs> here we are, wrecking, still wrecking games against the Browns. So where are you with George Pickens and the wide receivers overall? Do you think it's a good group together? Is it more any struggles that they are having? Is it more on the quarterback in the system than it is the, the wide receivers? Well, it's been a struggle to get them the football. Deontay yeah. Johnson's averaging eight and a half yards per catch. He's a guy that should be doing and able to do so much more. And it's not his fault. It's really a product of the system, the scheme, the quarterback play, et cetera. George Pickens has six, tar six targets, one of which was a Hail Mary and two catches in his first two games. And that's not acceptable. This guy was the star of training camp. He was a jump ball machine. He was making wow play after wow play. And so they have to find ways to get him involved more. He's playing a lot. He's playing... I don't know, 75% of the snaps. He just is not getting a lot of the target share overall. They got to throw some jump balls to him because he turns those 50-50 chances into 70-30 odds in his favor overall. And so there's probably work to be done. There, I do think Pickens is still a bit raw. He's 21, barely played last year, didn't catch a lot of passes in Georgia's run-heavy type of offense. But the talent is is unbelievable, and, and they have to be able to try to get to the ball of their playmakers more. Chase Claypool's moving to the slot this year with Juju Smith-Schuster headed to Kansas City, so he's kind of become that in-vogue big slot option, the way that Cooper Cup is, the way that Chris Godwin is. And, you know, he's had a nice summer overall. But, again, he's averaging, I think, Five and a half yards per catch. It's been a lot of short stuff overall. They've done more with the receivers in the run game in terms of jet sweeps and reverses and things like that. So they've had that Matt Canada flavor of, of getting the receivers involved in the run game. But overall, it's just been a bit of a struggle to get these guys the ball in, in space and downfield. Those are things this offense really has to work on. I definitely think that what we've seen in two weeks in, in Cleveland is – a lot of soft zone and giving people the ability to settle in the zone and to make plays after the catch, just because of they've just played so off of wide receivers. I, I don't know if they've had more than five snaps in which they pressed a wide receiver at the line. Like I, I it's obviously I don't have the data on that in front of me, but like thinking about watching it and all of that right. sort of thing, I, I don't think, you know, there's been a lot of that, and then they've had some tackling issues in the secondary that has helped to produce some of the explosive style plays after catch that you were talking about. All right, let's switch over to to the defensive side. Let's talk about that defensive line. Let's talk about Cam Hayward, the world, the Browns record. That's what I'm gonna call him there, because I mean he's done more than just wreck the Browns. I will say that he's a very very good football player. I know T.J. Watt's not there. Uh, I like Highsmith. Like I thought when Bud Dupree moved on, I liked Ty Smith more than Bud Dupree going into last year. I would have rather had him than pay Bud Dupree the money he got is what I meant. Because sure. I th I do think Bud Dupree is a very good football player. I just, I thought, yeah, that the Steelers made a good roster decision when it came to team building, that sort of thing. Um, I think Highsmith is, I really like Highsmith. I really like Cam Hayward. But without TJ Watt there, how is it looking overall in terms of what you traditionally think of when you think of the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line? It's not looking like a, that traditional heavy pass rush unit. Last week against New England, they had 
three quarterback hits and zero sacks on Mac Jones. It is a night and day difference statistically when TJ Watt plays versus when he doesn't. Since 2017, the Steelers with TJ Watt average, I think, around three and a half, three point seven sacks per game. Without TJ Watt, that number drops to one point six. And over the last three games he's missed, they've had two total sacks. So there's a night and day stark contrast between when Watt plays versus when he does not. And what happened last week was A, I thought the Patriots left guard their rookie Cole Strange played a heck of a game against Cam Hayward. In week one, Hayward dominated the Bengals rookie left guard Cordo Volson. No such luck in week two. Some of that was on a lot of third downs because when you have Watt on the field on third and five plus, plus you're always sliding to TJ Watt's side. Last week, they're sliding to Cam Hayward. The center's sliding to him and they're doubling him. It's Malik Reed's not going to be the threat, obviously, that TJ Watt is. So this team will have to do more to try to you know, manufacture pressure. Pittsburgh, over the last year or two, has been really reliant on a four-man rush, drop seven in the coverage, and that's kind of ideally what you want. They're going to have to work harder to scheme up ways to get pressure. Highsmith has had a good start to the year, had three sacks in the opener. He's always traditionally had a lot of success against Jedrick Wills, really, you know, hurting with inside spins and good counters and things like that. So, but again, other guys will have to step up. They're going to have to scheme this up more. I do wonder... I'm going to guess Joe Batonio plays because this dude literally never misses a game, but I know he's missed practice time, so I'm curious about the left guard situation, the right tackle situation. I know Hudson got abused last year by Watt, but I think he's played better this year, and obviously Watt's not available. So I still think there's a lot of talent in that Browns offensive line, and the coaching staff's going to have to work harder to either blitz more, which does limit yourself coverage-wise. That's a, a downside to that. But you really just can't do the traditional rush for, run twists in games, and expect that pass rush to get home because it's not happening right now. Yeah, I, I, you said it perfectly. The inside move for Jed is his kryptonite. It, I, he's, I thought he was better uh, this week, especially against the Jets, than he had been recently. But there's some effort concerns there, and some situations where I think there's some confidence issue. I think there's confidence issues more than there is effort concerns. Oh, wow. Jed I know he's played hurt. He had the ankle sprain. Yeah. He's played through that. But I know Heisman has really had some good wins against him. Yeah, last year that angle, I, I just think he needed to have shut it down early. But when Chris Hubbard goes down and Conklin's and, down and you're out Conklin's of Conklin's down, it's yeah. like, what are you going to do? You're going right. to start, you you know, then they eventually did play Blake Hans at left tackle. And it was a just, he was a turnstile. I think Blake Hans is a fine guard, but he's not a tackle and he was playing left tackle out there. So that was, that last year was a situation. I do think Jed's been better these first two games, but there has been some plays from time to time where he doesn't play through the whistle. So there's some opportunities over there, I think, uh, with him. I, I agree. I do think Batonio plays. It's a bicep injury. So if it if he plays and it's it's I didn't think there was an injury until today. So that one's really peculiar. Like how intense is it? Because I mean obviously if it's a bicep injury that does open up some doors. If I was willing to guess right now I think Conklin will play. I I think this was always the target. Like you didn't want to play him against the Jets because I don't think he would have been able to play today, you know, right. Thursday short because week, of the yeah. short week. But I mean, he's looked good. He's hitting all the, you know, benchmarks he's supposed to hit, but he's a very athletic ta tackle and a patella, patella injury is, is not fun for a guy of that size. So it, it's definitely a talented group but I think you can exploit them in some certain areas. So I think it's going to be really interesting because I think that Mike Tomlin just figures out how to exploit the Browns offensive line, no matter how good it is. I mean, even 2020, one of their worst games was 
you know, that that game in which Minka had the pick, pick six and it just really, it really <laughs> fell apart in that game as soon as Minka returned that one. Um, okay, so move to the back to the linebackers room. Um, I noticed that the only injury was Devin Bush on the injury report, and it doesn't seem like it's a, a much of an injury based on what I saw. And I, I know that you have probably more insight to that situation than I would, but the linebacker room, are you, are they league average? Are they a strength of the defense? Where they where they at overall there? Yeah, I wouldn't call it a strength. I mean, they've gotten better. They added Miles Jack, who's been a stabilizing force in the middle. This team has been really searching for a consistent guy since Ryan Shazier went down. They went through a lot of different people. Devin Bush has not played to the level this team obviously hoped he would when they traded up from 20 to 10 to get him. They went through Aiden Williamson and Joe Schobert, and they dabbled with Robert Splain, who's play playing in dime packages right now. You know, Jack's not going to be an elite, high-end caliber guy, but he's been the best guy they've had in a while. He's super physical against the run. He's downhill. He gets off blocks. He's competent in coverage and a good tackler overall. Um, obviously, the TJ Watt injuries kind of changed themselves schematically a bit. They ran a lot of 3-3-5 last week. They ran that 58% of the time, I believe, against the Patriots with three defensive linemen. They got a rookie in Marvin Leal who's playing some rush uh, end right now, kind of stand-up end. He was a, a tweener coming out of A&M, and so they're doing some different things with him. Bush has played better, much better than where he was at last year, but it's been still average and lacking the splash in big plays that, that you were certainly searching for when you took him as high as they did. Um, and then the depth that outside, uh, the depth that outside linebacker has not been great either. Obviously, when you lose T.J. Watt, Malik Reed's now a starter. They're trying to, again, use that 3-3-5 to minimize you know, relying on their backup depth guys a little bit. So, you know, I think overall the run defense has been better. This game obviously will be a massive test. I will give the Steelers credit for as ugly as the run defense was last year. They held the Browns in check in both of those games. They always have a good game plan against Cleveland. The Browns with their wide zone system, you make you know one guy out of his gap, Chubb's going to make you pay, Hunt's going to make you pay. And so there's always a concern there. Um, so we'll see. The, the, the run defense was not as good in week two for Pittsburgh as it was week one. So I think week three against Cleveland is going to be a really big litmus test. Yeah, they're definitely leaning hard on that with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Though I will admit, Jacoby Brissett, I, I thought he had a pretty good game on Sunday. Can he replicate that? I, I don't know because history says he can't. He can play with those high spikes, but they're not consistent spikes. But yeah, they, I, I this was a topic of the offseason, um, you know, with Baker's injury. Why didn't you run the ball more against teams like Pittsburgh? And it's just like Tomlin knows how to counteract this system, no matter who is back there. I mean, they had a good game in the playoffs and I just think they, right. that the Browns had a good game plan for that one. But outside of that, I mean, it's Tomlin knows how to take away your biggest strength. It's the same thing you say about Bill Belichick. Like if this is your strength, Tomlin can neutralize it. And I, I think that's why he's why as much as I don't like the Steelers, cause it's in my blood, <laughs> uh, you, you, you can't help, but understand that he is one of the greatest coaches that I've ever seen in my lifetime. So it's, it's definitely, Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt, Bill Callahan. I think Bill Callahan's a really good offensive line coach. He'll earn his paycheck if they're going to win one Thursday. The defensive backfield, man, we know we know Minka. I, I he's the yes, you do. You know Minka. Yeah. You found I out the know hard way very yeah. well, <laughs> and he knows Baker Mayfield very well. And like, yeah. So you know, outside of Minka, I I'll be honest with you. For me, going into the season, not saying that they don't have guys that can play. They just don't have names that I think are very well known outside of Pittsburgh. So kind of, you know, obviously we touch on on Minka, but really what's going on back there around him? 
Yeah, I think it's a solid group. They've had some struggles to start the year. You're right. There is no big, flashy, number one shutdown corner the way that you guys have Denzel Ward. Akella Witherspoon's trying to be that guy. He's the best athletic cover corner this team has with really good size. His tackling's gotten better. He's had a tough start to the year against the Bengals and gave up that big touchdown. He got bossed on by Nelson Aguilar last week. He's always been an up-down kind of guy. Very high, very low. Trying to find that consistency is going to be the key for him. He's never quite been able to to stay grounded and, and be a steady type of guy. The other cornerbacks are more solid number twos and good tackles, and Cam Sutton, who's hyper-versatile, and Levi Wallace coming over from Buffalo, who's working in some more obvious pass situations in their nickel and their dime defense. Um, at strong safeties, Terrell Edmonds has been you know solid and, and average, but generally trending in the right direction. A good tackler, a highly conditioned guy, doesn't miss time, and so him and Minka have been a good pairing overall. And they got some sub-package players that they use pretty well, and Trey Norwood, who plays more on passing downs, and Arthur Millette, or Nickel Corner, who plays more on rundowns, and is a pretty effective blitzer overall. So it's an experienced group. It's a talented group. There's good depth. There's good versatility. Things they didn't really quite have a year ago when they, they lose Mike Hilton to the Bengals, and Steven Nelson gets cut, and Joe Hayden had an injury, and they had to really try to you know find ways to be able to put guys in different spots. Minka Fitzpatrick got pretty stuck last year as kind of the free safety. They couldn't rotate him as much as they would have liked to, and Minka had to make far too many tackles last year as well with the run defense being as poor as it was. So I think Minka's been more unlocked, and that's why he has two picks in the first two games. And So that's the guy that obviously has to be accounted for every single play. I think it was easier to account for him last year, this year, because there's more versatility and more continuity. They're moving him around a lot more. He's back to playing where he needs to be, which is everywhere. <laughs> and that is a terrifying thing for Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, obviously in Miami, he was used too too much. He was, he was too versatile in the sense he was playing a lot of slot corner, outside corner. I mean, Pittsburgh still has him as a free safety, but they're able to rotate and spin yeah. coverages. So he's not just covering the deep half or the deep middle. He's rotating down to Robert and Lurk and you know, take on crossing routes and things like that or play the deep half. So they're able to disguise and hide him where obviously he's still, you know, yeah. guy that wants to be a ball hawk and not have to play the run quite as much as he did in Miami. But again, it last year he got pretty stuck. And this year to me, the word I use with him is unstuck. Okay. I think that, I think that uh, is not good news for the Browns anyway. <laughs> all right, man, before we get, get you out of here, how you feeling as we sit here, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, you can give me a score prediction or just give me who you think wins uh, overall come Thursday night. You know, to be honest, I don't mean to have a cop, but I have not really thought about a winner yet. I'm going through the rest of the Browns tape tonight. I mean, they're always close games. It's AFC North football. These things are always going to come down to the wire. Pittsburgh, all Pittsburgh does is play close games. I mean, they have played the most close games, one possession games over the last three years than any other team in football. And they're, they're now 16-5-1 in those games, but they're 1-1 one one this year. And so the benefit was he always found a way to win those late games, fourth quarter games. Do you still have that under Mitch Trubisky? Probably not. And that's the concern there. So... I may leave, lean Cleveland right now. I honestly don't have a prediction. I'll give one tomorrow on our, on our podcast, the terrible podcast, but it's Ace North football. It's going to be close. It's going to be tight. Who could run the ball better? You would give the edge, you would think, to Cleveland. Um, but I'm, I just really couldn't tell you right now. And it, with me, I want to I wanna say the Browns, but like I just – I watched you blow a 13-point lead with a minute and 55 seconds, and I just don't know that I can fair. pick you. Fair point. <laughs> And you couldn't you couldn't recover an onside kick, and it was an amazing onside kick. I don't know if you've seen it. Like it it crossed the, the ten yards threshold right before it gets picked up, and you're mm. just like Amari Cooper kind of like hesitates to go get it, and he even said that today. He was like, "I should have attacked it." I think he thought it wasn't going to cross, and he was just kind of 
hanging out there and it crosses and the jets just come flying in and you're just like, yeah, that happens in Cleveland, not for <laughs> Cleveland. But. Right. Again, I mean, it may come down to special teams. Pittsburgh had a, a muff punt, which was a big turning point in their loss to New England in week one. You guys had the 58 order by Cade York. You guys got a kicker now. Pittsburgh's got a great, great kicker in, in Chris Boswell. They got better punting this year. So special teams made in close games can define the, the outcome. And, and that may be the outcome decider in this one. Demetri Felton has muffed three punts in two games for the Browns. So it's going to be back it, there still. They're going to keep. Well, you know, you go and you sign Jakeem Grant, right? And you're like, right, oh, this is going to be amazing. And yeah. I actually was there at camp and I watched him. I was looking right at him oh, as no. Achilles popped. And that's just. Now, they did bring in Chester Rogers, who does have some return um, uh, ability from the Bears. And he's on the practice squad. I would think they brought him in like in the middle of last week. I would think they kind of targeted this week. That I don't think they want Felton out there at all because I mean he muffed another one. He he they haven't lost any of those three muffs, but like every single time he's back there, I'm just like, oh, God. God. <laughs> you're playing with house money. You lose yeah, three it's of those. You drop stop. Three, yeah. <laughs> what but, what yeah. is Felton's role? Like, as you got Pony with Hunt and Chubb, Felton kind of is, is he's a receiver. Screen game, motion game. I don't know exactly what to mean. Yeah, he's a motion guy. Like they're they've got him out there running. I, I Jake Burns said it pretty well. I was listening to him uh, over at the OBR. He was like, Felton's just out there to run around. Like he runs this jet motion. Like he's a slot receiver. He's not a running back. He is a slot wide receiver when he's out there. Uh, he's playing like 15 snaps a game, uh, and quite a bit. It's to have him run block, kind of keep get him in motion and and kind of kick out on a corner or try to seal on a linebacker. And he's not very big. So I don't know why that's the plan with him. Right, he's like five, eight. Bucky. Yeah. And he's not like hyper athletic, but he's, he's got some athleticism. He runs this jet motion. And in the first game, they run like 10 jet motions. Nothing happens. They finally give him the ball this week. He loses four yards. So I, if you see him out there, if you're watching, I'm sure when you go through watching the tape, you're going to see him running this motion. I've seen, yeah, I've seen some of that in week one. That's yeah, that's it. That's all he's doing. Why is he out there? You got Chubb. I know he's a receiver, but you play your other guys. It's kind of what it, what it feels like. I mean, I, he's, I, kind I, of the, he's kind yeah. of the anti-Barry pick, though, because he was a super terrible RAS score, small yeah. guy, didn't check the boxes. I know he took him seventh round, but that was a surprise pick to, to see the, the Browns take I that was like a thing where I think he was more explosive on tape, like right. at UCLA, and sure. they could, but they just couldn't figure him out. Like I, this whole off season, I'm like, what is he doing? Is he a running back? Is he a wide receiver? Where's he at? I didn't think he was going to make the roster, but then Jakeem Grant goes down, then Isaiah Weston goes down. These guys that I thought were going to make the roster as wide receivers, right. and I think they ended up being like, shit, we ain't got anybody else, right. and they kind of put him on there. But I will say that like his role has literally been just go out there and run around and they gave him the ball once. So they may give him the ball. I think like last year they used him in some like screen games some like uh, slot receiver screens and some things like that. But it just, he's a decoy and I don't think he's fooling anybody because they're not doing anything with him. Right. I, mean, I think he had 15 snaps in each game and he's touched the ball once. And, so. and, and muffed three punts. So. And muffed three punts. Right. Uh, and uh, maybe he I, shouldn't touch the ball then. Maybe it's a bad sign not. to have him touch the ball. Well, they got Jerome Ford back there returning kicks, like oh, really? him back there and return yeah. punts. Like, I was like wasn't the Ernest inactive? What's going on with the Ernest Johnson? Yeah, man, I think they're trying to trade him. Um, okay. I think you're in a you're in the this weird uh short week with a Thursday night game, 
He's inactive the first game, and I'm like, I think they're trading him. Then it comes to the second game, you're like, okay, I think they're tra- I think they're looking at maybe a wide receiver, uh, maybe a defensive tackle if there's one out there. I'm holding up. I I hope it's Denzel Mims. I I, I know that there's some issues. Excuse me, some you know bust on his on his name and stuff like that. But he's a Barry pick. Like right. that's he's been an inactive the first two weeks, right? Right. And that's what I thought. Are both of these teams making them inactive to, to set it up? Because, you know, they're not trading them before playing each other. They're not, right. you know, you're not sending Dearness Johnson up there to, you know, to New York. And I don't know if they want with Brees Hall. I don't know. And Michael Carter. I don't know if they want one. I think Dearness is, is a trade. And I think this week makes sense because of the 10 days. So I, I'm pretty sure when that comes up, that's what it's about. Because I would think if they're just trying to keep him off the field for an injury, that he would at least be active in case that injury occurs and they need him to play. And I think that they would rather put Ford at a return position right now than Dearness. And I think that's where it where it's worked out. It doesn't make a lot of sense unless they're trading him. That's the only thing I can think of. Okay. Yeah. That's, I, I just didn't know what was happening there. So I think that's a, that's a fair assessment of the situation. I just, maybe it's something else, but. It seems that way. Man, I appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your insight. Let everybody know where they can find uh, all your amazing work. Yeah, thank you, Jake. With so much, you can find me on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Check out the website, SteelersDepot.com. On Thursday morning, myself, Jonathan Heitrider, and Josh Carney will have our Browns scouting report. So for Browns fans who want to get the, the Steelers fan perspective of what the Browns do, we'll have a you know scheme and individual report up on Thursday morning on SteelersDepot.com. It's it's good stuff. Alex and his team does really amazing work. So if you want some, some of that uh, perspective, absolutely go over there and check it out. Well, guys, I will see you guys uh, again. Uh, we will, I will do kind of a prediction episode Thursday morning um, and kind of go over what I think the Browns have got to do if they want to right the ship and win. I've never seen a week three game be a must win quite like this, but when you blow a historic situation, you got to figure it out or it's going to spiral. So I'll talk to you guys tomorrow, and as always, go Browns.